Goblins and Ghouls, you are listening to I Saw It in a Movie, an advice podcast co-hosted by your friendly cinematic pals at Movie John. I am the old sport and classic coroner, Rosalie Kicks, who has now been possessed by the spirit of Vampira, and this is my film pal, The Red Herring, Ryan Silverstein. And each episode, we take a question from our listeners and go to the movies for the answer. So, Ryan, what is your flick pick this week? Yeah, so um, because I'm not a person that watches a ton of horror movies, but I've been trying to watch more of them. And I also, you know, as we talked about on the last episode, made a watch list for horror movies that were new to me. Um, And part of completing that mission, I signed up for Shudder finally. Um, And if I'm being honest, I'll probably just drop it after October uh, unless there's a couple more things that I want to still watch which is not a comment on the quality of Shudder their stuff is is really good I like the actual interface is cool Um, the one thing I really like at least on the the version on my TV is that they have channels so like they have a Slashix channel um, and if you put it on they're just playing movies on there so you can just jump into a random movie which I kind of like yes I have that too and it actually starts up like when I go into the app and it's pretty cool because yeah, yeah if you wanted to, you could just leave it on while mm-hmm. you're doing stuff around the house and it's just always playing a movie, which is pretty neat. Yeah. So I wish more services had that. So me, if I do end up dropping shutter, it's not a commentary on shutter so much as a commentary on how much streaming content that I already pay for. <laughs> um, and so th- that's the one that c- can be rotated in and out. Um, at will. But long story short, I watched uh, Scare Me on there, which is a Shutter original. Oh, um, yeah. I really liked that one. Yeah, I, I don't think I liked it as much as you did based on your letterbox review, but um, I liked the concept of it a lot, which is, you know, it's a couple of writers. Um, they run into each other when they're both staying in cabins trying to work on stuff. One of them is a man with a um, questionable past, maybe we, we can say. Uh, not anything like too ridiculous, but just like he's had some issues. Uh, and then a female writer who is much more successful than he is um, and has a book that like people are raving about. And she's working on her next project. And they decide to tell each other, scare, they try to scare each other with scary stories uh, as like a challenge, which is, I think, just a fun concept for a horror movie. Um, I mostly wanted to call out Aya Cash's performance uh, as the female lead because I think she does a great job both in the range of emotions that she gets into as, you know, as things kind of develop over the course of the film and even the way that she, the, her performance when she's telling the stories in the movie, I think is really well done. Um, you know, I had, I really had some issues on the writing sense 
where because uh, it's written, directed, and starring Josh Rubin, and with his character, it was sometimes hard to tell if he was critiquing the sort of like mediocre white man who believes they deserve success, even though they haven't really worked for it, or if he is like defending it, which I don't think he is, but I feel like at some points in the film, it got a little more muddy um, than I would like. But I would still recommend it's worth a watch. Um, Like I said, I was entertained the whole time. It wasn't boring or anything. I just, in the final messaging of it and the way that the movie is sort of where it ends up, I was like, I don't know how I feel about that ending, but um you know, if I watched it again, I might like it more, if that makes sense. Yeah, I I don't know. I didn't feel as muddied about it. I I definitely felt she was the better storyteller. Mm-hmm. And I got, you know, I, I liked there was like a scene where she was just like, you know, you're a writer. Tell me what you're writing. Like, and I do feel that in my experience of making films and writing stories is that you will run into people where they're they'll say oh I, I'm a writer but then you find out like they really haven't written anything I'm not saying that it was published but it's just like I like how the movie opened where he sits down at his computer and like types out a sentence and then mm-hmm. he just starts googling because I'm like yep that's what I do too. Yeah. Same. But at the same point, he really doesn't seem to actually want to do the work. He, you know, seems like he just thinks like, Oh, all of this success just happened for her. And it's like, no, she's actually doing work. So that's how she got to where she is. So I, I, I can see though what you're saying about kind of feeling a little conflicted with what the messaging was. But in the end, I mean, wow, he gets what he deserves, I feel. Oh, yeah, definitely. Like I said, I, I feel like maybe I, I might have just been a little too hard on it because I watched it immediately after I saw a couple of people online like rave about it. Yeah, that'll happen. Um, but I, I've definitely been a victim of that too. I think I liked it so much because I was surprised what they did with so little. Mm-hmm. No, yeah, like as a filmmaking exercise, it's really it's really well done. It's really impressive. But I agree. She Ayakash is why you want to watch that movie. Mm-hmm. Like she is clearly the star of it. And yeah, I found anytime she was doing anything, I was engaged. And I also wanted her sweatshirt with all of the hands. It's a great, it is honestly, it's a great sweatshirt. Um, and it is, I like um, clothing that gives sort of horror vibes, but without being like, yes. you know, a, a, like a, you know, a t-shirt that has Jason on it or something. Right. Like the, the sweatshirt is rather... I would say um, unnerving, mm-hmm. and it works so well in this mo- in this like cabin in the woods type movie. So yeah, I I say to check it out, and yeah, it is on Shutter. It actually premiered at Sundance because when I was there, I just could not do another midnight movie. Yeah, I had done one the night before, and literally, like so. At Sundance, like where I was staying, I was basically like a mile and a half walk from the theater. 
And so at night, like I'd have to trudge back up to my apartment that I was staying at alone. And I had watched a midnight movie the night before. I was very scared (laughs) all night. I slept horribly. It was actually, I had saw Relic. Mm. And so when the next, on the next day, I was just like, I cannot do another midnight horror. Like, because I just slept so bad. And then the next day, I kind of regretted missing it because I I heard people, you know, talking and buzzing about scare me. And then it pretty much, I think, sold immediately after it was shown, like Shutter bought it. Oh, I mean, that totally makes sense. I think, um, well, yeah. And the other thing about a midnight movie at Sundance, not that I've been, but just like the time difference, like midnight there is like, two or three a.m. here exactly exactly it's it's already extra late (laughs) yeah and then of course dealing with the wintry elements it Mm -hmm. the day feels very long let's just say that you're you're pretty exhausted by the end of the day especially when you're coming from the east coast so yeah that is a great pick though for spooky um, season well and what's your pick Yeah, so my flick pick for today is a movie that just came out this past Friday, and it's the sophomore feature, and in my opinion, from an awesome up-and-coming filmmaker, Jim Cummings, and is The Wolf of Snow Hollow. And yes, this is a werewolf movie, but it is unlike any werewolf movie you have ever seen. And I don't think you've watched it yet. Uh, no, I haven't because it, it, as we're recording this, I think it just came out today. Um, and so yes. I'm looking forward to checking it out as soon as I can. Yeah. So I'm not going to give anything away, uh, but essentially it's, you know, set in this small, isolated, wintry community, much like Park City in Utah. And this community is being terrorized by a werewolf who obviously strikes on nights when there is a full moon. And Jim Cummings, who wrote, directed, and co-starred in this feature, um, he's just fantastic. Like, this guy can do it all. I I mean, I cannot imagine starring in my own film as well as directing and writing it, but he does it. And he plays the son of a sheriff's deputy deputy who... um, Also, I have to mention the sheriff is played by Robert Forrester, and this was actually his last role before he died. And he's absolutely amazing. Like, what a note to go out on. Um, He's terrific. And I actually was reading some of the publicist notes that were sent along with the screener. And one of the things that was like so fascinating to me is, I guess, you know, when they were looking to find somebody to play the sheriff. They sent the script to Robert. Robert read it. He immediately wanted to play the role. And his manager like called him and was like, this is a werewolf movie. <laughs> and Robert's like, no, this is a werewolf picture. And I like everything that's going on that doesn't really deal with the werewolf because there's so much to this story. And, you know, when you watch Jim's movies, I think you know, that's kind of the beauty of it. You're getting more than just a monster movie. There's like this really kind of wonderful but heavy story going on because the guy, John, 
the deputy, he's like dealing with addiction issues, a fractured relationship with his daughter, but then also trying to prove not only to his dad that he can solve this crime of what's going on, but to the community because the community like doesn't believe that he's up to it. So like there's a lot going on in the story and that's what I like. And it's also like there's bits of comedy in it. So it kind of feels like one of those 80s like horror movies that many of us have grown up on. Like it's a return to horror being fun, you know? Mm -hmm. And I just, I just love that because I feel like I'm just, there's so many horror movies out that like you see the trailer or you read the synopsis and I'm just like tired you know, like, and this is just so fresh. Yeah, I think fun. that's that's what I really liked about um, Get Out and Us is that those movies are really fun to watch. Exactly. And it engages you in a conversation afterwards. Because mm-hmm. I think it was the last episode, like you mentioned, Jill, your wife, realized like how much she loves talking about horror, like after mm-hmm. she watches it. And that's what makes it also fun because you can talk to your friends about it and, you know, figure out like, hey, what did I just watch? So I really highly recommend uh, this movie. And, you know, there's just so much like Jim really can put so much raw emotion on the screen. And I know you haven't seen Thunder Road But I guarantee, like, after you watch The Wolf of Snow Hollow, you're going to go seek out his first movie, which I will tell you, I don't know if you have access to Prime. It's playing on Prime. But I did see he tweeted out yesterday, I guess, you know, with the release of his werewolf movie, Thunder Road is like 99 cents on Apple iTunes. So very cheap and it's totally worth it. Yeah, it's, uh, that's a movie that has actually been on my list to check out for, you know, at least a year and a half at this point. Um, but I will, assuming I like Snow Hollow as much as I think I will, I'll definitely be watching Thunder Road very soon after. Yeah, cool. Uh, so, yeah, two movies, you know, to check out. One is a spooky flick and the other is just a regular old flick. But I recommend them both. And OK, so do you want to get to this week's question? Absolutely. All right. Dear, I saw it in a movie. Since I can't attend a Halloween party in person this year, I'm looking to attend one with my film pals virtually. What flick can you recommend that is set on actual Halloween? Thanks, pals. Party animal. So this week, I was kind of like racking my brain. I didn't want to pick an obvious pick but then ended up doing so anyway. Uh, But I do have two flicks that I wanted to mention. But my first one, I'll start with the obvious because I feel it's like the epitome of spooky movies. And I watch it every Halloween. And that is John Carpenter's 1978 Halloween. And of course, it's the tale of Michael Myers, which I think in spying on your letterboxd, you're recently going through this series. Yeah. So it's funny. The original Halloween is was going to be one of my picks for this as well. Um, <laughs> and I, I absolutely I just absolutely love the movie. Um, 
you know, I for, saw it for the first time because I'm a, a, a newcomer to horror. Uh, I saw it for the first time. I think it it's like three years ago now. And um, I just I was surprised by how much I enjoyed it because, you know, even the idea of a slasher, I was like, OK, like I'm not going to really like enjoy it. But like this movie has great characters. It has a great feel to it. I love the fact that it takes place over the course of like the whole day of Halloween um, so you get that like daytime Halloween feel with like, you know, people like prepping for trick or treating and things. And then, you know, as it goes into night and things, um, you know, get darker and darker and yeah. So I've seen the original, um, <clears throat> I also love Halloween three season of the witch, which obviously does not have Michael in it. And I saw, I think I watched Halloween two last year, or the year before. Okay. And so I was like, Oh, I should finally go through and <clears throat> watch the rest of the series. So that's part of my Halloween watching this year. Very um, cool. And before I forget, I want to mention um, one of the things that made me love Halloween even more than just the movie itself was um, in 2018, Amy Nicholson did a podcast called Halloween unmasked. Um, as a miniseries where she talked about like John Carpenter's backstory and the music and Jamie Lee Curtis and like, you know, her backstory prior to the movie and what the movie did for her career. Um, so she looked at all the different aspects and I think, um, like listening to the podcast, I remember vividly listening to episodes of that podcast while I was raking leaves, um, in my front, on my front (laughs) lawn. It was like, it was like perfect fall vibe. So I definitely recommend if you, like the movie or you, you know, even if you haven't seen it in a few years, listen to that podcast uh, and then watch that movie on Halloween. And I guarantee you, you will appreciate it even more than you do already. Yeah. Thanks for that recommendation. Cause I love Amy Nicholson. I think she's absolutely great. So I will definitely look up this podcast after we are done recording today. Uh, for me, you know, this movie is just, like I said, it's not Halloween season until I've watched it. And it still manages to terrify me. I still recall the first time seeing it. And I don't know if I've shared on this pod, but I know in previous shows I've been on, I've shared that I watched this movie the first time as a little second grader. Mm-hmm. My dad left my brother and I watch it. Like sometimes my dad, when he would be home alone with us at night. I feel like his TV censorship was not really great. And <laughs> he allowed my brother and I to watch this. And I remember after it was over, I was scared to go to bed and him telling me that the boogeyman didn't exist, that it wasn't real. And that's basically when I realized like, yep, I have issues with my dad because <laughs> in the movie there, you know, is a scene where Jamie Lee Curtis asks Dr. Loomis if that was the boogeyman and he affirmatively says yes. So I always felt like after my dad said no, I was like, well, the lady said yeah, like the boogeyman <laughs> is real. So it's always kind of troubled me and You know, for those who haven't seen this movie, I think, you know, you both hear us talking about it. We both love it. But it tells the tale of this guy, Michael Myers. And when he was a young child, he dressed, he was dressed as a creepy clown. 
on Halloween and he murdered his sister. And after this incident, he gets sent off to this mental mental institute or sanatorium. And then 15 years later, he escapes and returns to his hometown, Haddonfield, Illinois. And he basically just wrecks havoc on the town on Halloween night. And as Ryan described, it's just such a fun movie to watch at this time of year because you see people prepping for Halloween. They're getting their costumes together. um, They're carving pumpkins, watching scary movies. And if this doesn't put you in the mood, I just don't know what movie would. Uh, It's absolutely great. So I love it. And yeah, I, I think, you know, you summed it up pretty nicely as well, too. Yeah, it's, it's definitely um, a favorite of mine. And, and with this kind of watching of the rest of them, I'm like saving the original for last, basically. Like, yeah. I, I usually watch Halloween and Halloween 3 uh, either on Halloween night or the day or two before, mm-hmm. um, you know, right when it's right when it's dead in the Halloween season, um, as well as a movie I'm not picking today, but also uh, Hocus Pocus is also on that list as a very that's, fun. Yeah, that's another fun one to watch. Yeah, I think that's a really good plan because in the Halloween series, there's just quite a number of them that shouldn't exist. Let's just leave <laughs> it at that. Yeah. Uh, but I did want to just mention one other pick um, that wasn't so obvious, uh, but coincidentally, I just recently watched it. Oh, oh, and I completely, just to go back to Halloween for one second, Mm -hmm. I did want to mention, because this is something that you probably don't know, is that, you know, with recently finishing my own short slasher flick, Pizza Man, I just wanted to mention, I was heavily influenced by Halloween. And, you know, for those that don't know, I I made a short uh, flick with my one of my best friends, Katie McBrown, we co-wrote and directed a story of an eccentric elderly couple who find themselves stricken with grief and are stuck in a time warp of sorts uh, when decades earlier their son was run down by a pizza delivery driver. And then due to that, they never eat pizza again and they essentially run all pizza restaurants out of town until a new one opens and they take revenge. So before I went into production with this movie, there was like kind of this happy little accident where, because we shot in November. So I had watched Halloween right before that. And I decided to watch it with the commentary track with John and Jamie Lee. And I had never watched it with the commentary track before. But wow, it just really inspired me because I didn't realize like how little they had, you mm-hmm. know, when, in terms of budget and just, you know, trying to get this movie shot in a short amount of time. And it kind of made me just have this feeling like, yeah, I can do it. <laughs> so I wanted to mention that if you haven't listened to the commentary, you should definitely at some point. Yeah, that, that's a good suggestion. One of my favorite things from that I learned on that Amy Nicholson podcast I mentioned uh, is that they only had one like trash bags worth of leaves because they were filming in Southern <laughs> California in like the yes. summertime. Mm-hmm. Um, and so after every take, 
like they had like two guys on the crew would like just go and like pick up all the leaves before they could blow away because they were so precious (laughs) yeah it was kind of fun also listening to the commentary because i feel like there were things john forgot about but then jamie's like let me remind you (laughs) yeah he seems like the kind of person that would forget things yeah and she you know also like I loved when she was telling the story about how, like, the whole crew, like, there wasn't a job that somebody didn't do because Mm -hmm. they didn't have a huge crew. So it made me also, like, just feel warm and fuzzy because that's, like, how the Pizza Man set was. Like, everybody was doing oddball jobs and just coming together to make sure the movie got made. So I had to mention that because that's also why the movie means a lot to me. Uh, But... Anyways, the other movie that I wanted to mention before I pass the baton to you was this 1988 flick, Lady in White. And I had never seen this movie before, but it kind of falls into this category of movies like intended for children, but they are actually absolutely terrifying, which I just watched the 1990 The Witches which Mm -hmm. also falls into that category. Like, how were these made for kids? Uh, But The Lady in White, I found out about from my film pal, Katie McBrown, uh, the co-director and writer of Pizza Man. And she told me about it because it scared her when it was little. But it stars Lucas Hawes, a very small Lucas Hawes. And... It is set on Halloween and like you actually see like he goes to school and there's a Halloween party and it definitely reminded me of the parties when I was a kid, like so much like junk food and candy. Like, I don't know if you ever had those kind of parties in school. Uh, Yeah, no, definitely. And we had, you know, people would come to school in costume and, you know, all, all that, all that kind of stuff you know, really takes me back. Yeah. And I always feel like at those school parties, like somebody always brought in Doritos, which was something that my parents, not that they were like against us eating them, but they just never bought them. So I I always thought it was exciting to like see what junk food people would bring in. Uh, But anyways, as a young boy, You know, he's in elementary school, he leaves for the day, and he realizes when he's outside with his friends, like, oh, no, I forgot my hat. I'm going to go back in and get it. And when he goes back in, he ends up witnessing a murder of a little girl. And inevitably, what happens is this little girl, like, ends up haunting him. And that's why I say, like, I don't understand why this was meant for children because like there is some like just like traumatizing scenes in this movie. Uh, But essentially it's very well made. It's set in the 60s. So it kind of deals a lot with I feel like a heavy story as well because it's dealing with racism and stereotyping and As much as I would love to say, like, wow, this is in our past, unfortunately, it's not. So there are some themes that are still relevant today, but it's just one of those stories that it really perplexed me, like, how is this for a kid? Like, I feel not that kids shouldn't watch it, but it would be one of those movies that would prompt a conversation after. Right. And 
again, you know, growing up in the 80s, like, I don't know about you, but like my parents didn't really talk to me about film. Like after I watched something, it's kind of just like you'd watch it and then that's it, which is interesting because I know in meeting my husband, he's like, oh, we would always talk about the movie after. I'm like, not my family. So I feel like there's a lot of things to prompt a conversation, but I don't know in the 80s if that was happening. Yeah, I mean, growing up, we definitely would talk about movies, um, you know, after we watched them. We might un- avoid some, like, uncomfortable stuff, but, like, <laughs> you know, um, yeah, but we would at least, like, you know, talk, talk a little bit afterwards. Um, but no, this is one I haven't seen, but uh, it also came up recently on, like, an article I was reading or a podcast I was listening to uh, and definitely made me want to check it out. Yeah, it's another one. It's I actually checked it out on Prime is where I found it. But yeah, a very just like interesting tale. And I had to mention it because like I said, it is set on Halloween and you do see an actual Halloween party. So, you know, I'd say, yeah, definitely add it to your list to check out. I know we both have like our spooky lists that we're trying to get through Mm because I did post them on the website last week. And so far I'm doing pretty good. I I think I've watched up to six out of like the 27 that I've put on there. So I'm hoping that I can watch them all. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think I have like 35 on my list and I've watched like seven or eight. That's um, great. Yeah, so I'll definitely be trying to, to mow them down and hopefully I don't have to squeeze them in uh, before Halloween. Right. Um, but the, the the other movie I wanted to mention since mm-hmm. Halloween was one of my picks is um, a Frank Capra film. And I know that Frank Capra is not someone that most people would associate with Halloween. Uh, but his movie, Arsenic and Old Lace, um, it does take place on Halloween. And it is uh, just delightfully macabre in its sense of humor. It's, you know, it, it's a farce that involves uh, dead bodies, ancient curses, um, and... Um, um, I'm Peter Lorre. So, you know, and, <laughs> uh, so like it, it feels very Halloween when you watch it, it is extremely funny. Um, it's probably my favorite, uh, Cary Grant performance that I've seen. Um, and I've seen a, a decent amount, but, um, he's just very funny as sort of a like well-meaning bumbling guy caught in a very crazy situation. Um, and that's, that, that's a kind of movie plot that I enjoy. And I feel like, the movie is both very funny, but there's a lot of like dark humor in it. Um, but it, it, I feel like it's a good, it's a good Halloween comedy. Yeah, I I believe I picked this at some point on one of our previous episodes as a flick pick. I love this movie so much, and I love that you picked it. Uh, yeah, Cary Grant, it's funny because I, I think I mentioned this before, but he really did not like his portrayal in this movie, which I just ignore because I think it's fantastic. Uh, yeah, I, I just, I love his character. I love his aunts. And there, do you remember the scene where they do get the trick-or-treaters and mm-hmm. like the ants are giving out like actual like whole pies? <laughs> yeah. And I was like, I, I always see that and I'm like, imagine if you went trick-or-treating and 
a little old lady just gave you an entire pie. Like I think my first thought would be super excited, but then there would be this like sense of worry. Like, should I eat a pie from an old lady who I don't yeah. know? Yeah, that would definitely get thrown out as soon as you as soon as you got home. <laughs> you would as- see, I would not throw it out immediately. Like I would look at it. Like I would examine it. And oh, then see, maybe I would make my brother try it first. See, I feel like my mom would be like, don't even get attached to the idea of this pie. Actually, no, I wouldn't. I would let my dad try it first. <laughs> I'd be like, dad, take a bite of this and see if anything bad happens to you, which might include death. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, and then they also like they give out like a pumpkin, like mm-hmm. a whole pumpkin. Now that would annoy me. Because I'm like, I am not locking this thing around. Like, trick or treat. And that I do really feel bad for kids this year that aren't probably going to get to trick or treat. Like, I mm-hmm. don't know about where you live, but they, like, just will not make a decision about. Yeah, same. Yeah. So, like, I feel like there's going to be some kids out there, but, like, a lot of houses are going to be dark. And it it just makes me sad. But. I don't know. If I had kids, like, I would buy them so much candy and just, like, hide it around the house. That's a good idea. Yeah, I, I might put out a, a large bowl and a bottle of hand sanitizer um, <laughs> and just let 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 what happens happen. <laughs> yeah, see, I feel like if we put a large bowl out, like, somebody would just come along and take, like, the whole thing. Or, like, squirrels would eat it. Uh but yeah, to go back to the ants, like when they hand the child like an entire pumpkin, like I would have ditched that because it's going to slow you down. Like you're trying to get and hit as many houses as possible. Like I am not lugging around a 10 pound pumpkin. Yeah. I mean, the that pumpkin's getting smashed. That's the <laughs> bottom line. Um, right. <laughs> and I'm, I'm not a big you know, mischief night person. But if you give me a pumpkin trick-or-treating, I'm throwing it immediately on the ground outside your house. Um, <laughs> because it, it is just that offensive. Yeah. I This is actually making me think about, like, what is the weirdest thing you ever got trick-or-treating? Uh, mine was tea bags. Tea bags? Mm-hmm. Were they, like, in a package? Or they were, like, yeah, they were, like, in... Loose- it, it was like an individually wrapped tea bag and it was like in like a little Halloween like Ziploc bag that had like, you know, Tootsie Rolls and some pennies and like. That is, was that an old lady? Yes, definitely an old lady. Did you drink the tea? I don't think so because I don't think I drank tea when I was a kid. Okay. Unless I was like sick. Then my yeah. mom would make like hot tea. But I wasn't a big tea drinker for a long time, so. I never got it. I never got tea bags, but I did once get like a can of soup, which, you know, <laughs> equating now means like the people forgot. Oh, yeah. Definitely. So they were just like emptying their cupboards. I remember there was somebody and this was in the neighborhood that I primarily grew up in. An old lady that gave out apples, which my mom immediately threw away. Oh yeah, no, we de- I definitely got my fair share of apples. Um yeah, pennies were also a weird one. 
that you get some time. Yeah, but, uh, I, I believe somebody, there was someone in the neighborhood that would give out like quarters, you know, because like, I don't know what it is with old people, but they think like a quarter can like go so far. Well, it used to, you know, back in the day, well, but I'd rather just have the candy. Honestly. My brother and I, I mean, growing up, you know, as I've mentioned before, slinging produce, a quarter was nothing. We're like, we want a dollar. Like, yeah, we, I mean, we worked as children. So we, we knew we're like, no, we want a buck. A quarter ain't going to buy us anything. But yeah. I feel like the people giving oh. out quarters are like, oh, that's 25 penny candies. But that doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> no. Yeah. So, like, definitely the tea bag is weird. Apples are weird. We, of course, got toothbrushes at one mm-hmm. point. And I think yep. that was from, like, a dentist, which my brother and I were like, that is so lame. <laughs> definitely. <laughs> to get a toothbrush. But, yeah, I don't know. Like, arsenic and old lace. Now I kind of want to watch it again. Because I love the opening. Like, it just puts you in such a fall mood. I completely agree. Um, So great pick. So, again, don't forget, you can find a breakdown of this episode and all of our episodes on moviejohn.com. You can also subscribe to our quarterly print movie zine, which we have a new issue coming out in November. And the theme just so happens to be noir films. So we'll be celebrating noir vember. And you can subscribe at moviejohn.com slash shop. And then you can also follow us on social media. We are on Twitter at I Saw in a Movie. If you're seeking advice, send us your questions by either sending us a message on Twitter or at dear I saw in a movie at gmail.com. And we also love postal mail. So you can send us mail at P.O. Box 20172, Philadelphia, PA, 19145, Attention, Movie John. And Ryan, where can people find you at? Sure. Uh, people can find me on Twitter and Letterboxd at Silver whatever. That's with the B. You can also find my writing at cinema76.com. Uh, as well as my other podcasts, um, Shame Files, which we just did an episode on Candyman, uh, and uh, my Formula One racing podcast that I do with friend of the show, Ian Kimball, uh, F1. Great. And you can find me on Instagram at the.oldsport or Twitter at bonjouroldsport. And also check out my other podcast, Cinematic Crypt, in which I go six feet under to uncover films of Hollywood's past. And you can find that wherever you catch pods or download at moviejohn.com.